Um, I would imagine many of you heard this story. It's an incredible story about how a lupus, um, I could only imagine it engulfed their whole family. And we, none of us would be here today if, if that didn't happen. I mean, any kind, anytime there's a failure or anything, there's, there's some kind of negativity that happens in life, I personally believe that there, there's something good that's going to come out of it. And it's difficult, it's difficult to find that, and it's difficult to see that. But Avena Originals has affected so many lives because of this story and because of where it came from. And Mel's going to tell you all about it. And I just want to get him on stage and, and, and listen to him and offer all this valuable information. So because of this, this whole Avena Originals, this whole conference, because of this man right here. Thanks, Mel. Come on up. <clears throat> Thank you very much. You know, he's, he said a very important statement there that things happen for a reason. And I really believe in that. And uh, I look back at the story I'm going to share with you, and he's right. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that event. A friend of ours, he had gone to Chile for um, a few weeks, I think it was, and uh, he just returned the day that I was at uh, in Vernon. And uh, he came and joined us and uh, just kind of showed up. And, oh, it's kind of cool. And how are you doing? How was your trip? And all that wonderful stuff. And he brought this bottle of wine out of his suitcase. He said, guess what, guys? I smuggled a bottle of wine off a Chilean winery. I was right out on the field where they make these grapes, and this is the bottle of wine that Jesus made that day for me. And I snuck it home in my suitcase and got through. And uh, he said, let's drink it. Well, we were busy doing business and stuff like that, so us guys never participated. But my wife and Harry Shankoff's wife, Melvina, drank that entire bottle of red wine. The very next morning, both those ladies woke up with a rash from head to toe. And Kathy's was... I think far more extreme, I believe. I don't remember all about Melvini. You can talk to Harry about that. But uh, I know that uh, she suffered from different situations and whatnot from that. And, but in Kathy's case, it got worse and worse and worse. And I remember basically just constantly just clawing at her body, just going absolutely berserk with this itch from the uric acid that was pouring through every inch of her body. Her kidneys had totally shut down, and um, because of that, uh, the uric acid had no place to go but to be dumped through, of course, your largest cleansing organ, your skin. And so um, it got pretty ugly. In fact, Kathy's ankles swelled up to 14 inches in diameter. Her head was the size of a basketball. She was dripping from head to toe, she had to wear clothes that would just absorb uric acid. And um, the only thing that probably kept that woman sane was the bathtub. So she pretty well lived in a bathtub. That's the only place she couldn't, didn't have to claw at herself. And because of this, the sores in her body started from scratching, opened up. Now where she was not only dripping with the uric acid, but she was dripping with her own blood. And so her clothes were red by the end of the night. Got pretty ugly. Went to the medical system like any of us would, and we um, were referred, do some tests, referred to a specialist, and you know, the whole gamut that they do. This took weeks to get any results, and blah, blah, blah. I'll never forget the day in the Wetaskiwin Hospital that we were at, and said, Mal and Kathy, there is no cure for lupus. Go home and learn to live with it. Basically, there's the door. We can't do anything for you. You know, when you hear those words, and because we have put so much faith in the medical system, I accepted it. I said, okay, I guess that's it. Do exactly that. Let's go home and learn to live with it. Do the best we can. And they said, you might have months to live. You might have a year or two. Nothing we can do for you. I'll never forget the day we weren't even 15 feet out of that hospital and Kathy's temper was already high. Not. That was back in the days when all the kids used that term. Not. You still remember them doing that all the time? Not. She said, I'm not accepting that. That's a death sentence. No way. I mean, what else can we do? I said, well, I guess we can go look at that crazy alternative stuff. Maybe find some naturopathic doctor. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was all just a waste of time. I mean, the official, the top specialist of lupus just told you there is no cure for lupus. Accept it. And so a friend of ours says, you need to go look to Dr. Zimmerman in Edmonton. See what she, because she's Pretty amazing, naturopathic doctor. So I went to Dr. Zimmerman. And Dr. Zimmerman was very busy, and we didn't have really any long-term appointments here. We had to kind of convince her to let us 
come and see her just because of the severity of what was going on. And so we went in there, and uh, she said, I don't have time to sit here, but there's a machine here, and I'm going to hook you up to it. Just, you want you to hold these two little prods. And I want Mel, you just go down this computer screen, and these are all chemicals. You just highlight them, and have no noise, no problem. Just go to the next one. Just keep doing that until the alarm goes off when you hit the right chemical. I'm going to go do some patients. I'll probably hear the alarm, but if I don't, come and tell the secretary to, to get me and I'll come and see what's going on. So we did that. And I don't remember how long that process was, but probably at least 40, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, we just were going through chemical after chemical after chemical, because she knew that her kidney was jammed because of chemicals. All of a sudden, we hit DDT, and the alarm went off. And sure enough, she heard it. So she came into the, to the room that we were at and said, What is it? I said, DDT. Well, that's interesting. Kathy... Where did you get in contact with so much DDT? I have no idea. Hmm. So we left, and well, first of all, she gave us some homeopathics and a few things, and I can stand up today that I might give a little bit of credit to it. There was maybe a slight amount of improvement in some parts of Kathy's situation, but it sure never got her out of the serious situation she was in. We tried to find out where in the world did Kathy become so toxic with DDT. This took us years to discover this, but I can tell you today that when she was a small baby, her mom and dad lived in a log cabin in northern British Columbia. And they sprayed with these DDT canisters where they pump up and psh, all the windowsills and all the cracks in the wood to kill the ants, to kill the spiders and, and whatnot. And so they did that pretty well every day. And I don't know if you've ever seen that stuff, but then almost any kind of spray, any spray, and you look at it with a little bit of sunlight, and you just see that stuff kind of filter down on the ground, and it lands on whatever is the first object, right? What's on the floor? Kids' toys. She was a baby. What do kids do with toys? Put them in their mouth. So now we know that Kathy Poppy was sucking on DDT for years and years and years from that process. Then she became a teenager, and her dad was a truck driver, and he said, one of your jobs, Kathy, is to cut the lawn every time it needs to be cut, but you have to make sure you hook up this weed bar. Kathy loved to cut the grass with bare feet. She never wore slippers or shoes. She loved that feeling of fresh-cut grass. So she cut grass for years, bare feet. What's in the weed bar? DDT. What was in that bottle of wine that she consumed half of it? DDT. Because in Chile, I don't know today, but back then, they still use a lot of DDT on the grapes. And so when she drank that wine, that put her over the edge. In other words, her cup was full, and the body shut down. Toxic. And so this progressed. She got worse and worse. Tell a dear friend of ours, a friend of hers mostly, kind of a girlfriend, said, Mel, you guys need to read this book. Here she is. This is not when she was sick, by the way. This is after she got well. I wish I had pictures when she was sick, but you know what? If I even attempted to take a picture, I probably would have got kicked. That's the last thing. She even didn't want anybody to see her in the state she was in. So, we, so she, anybody who wanted to come over, they just, she said, no, we're not available. Kathy's not here, blah, blah. We made all kinds of excuses because nobody want, I did not, she didn't want anybody to see her in the condition she was. But this girl by the name of Cheryl said, you need to read this book called Come Alive. I said, well, why? What's it about? Well, it's, it's a story. It's, it's, it's actually a book that the famous Dr. Bernard Jensen wrote and he has a bonus chapter in here, My Victory Over Cancer and Paralysis. So you need to read that because here's a story in here where it talks about Dr. Jensen who beat cancer, prostate cancer, in eight weeks and one day. Wow, eight weeks and one day, that sounds like a fish story. So I got the book and I read it and I sure enough, here's his testimonial of him beat cancer in eight weeks. And I found out the man in here that was responsible for helping him beat cancer in eight weeks was Michael O'Brien. 
I need to talk to this guy. Yeah, it's lupus and this is cancer, but man, if he can do that, maybe he has some answers on lupus too. I have no idea. It's worth a try, right? And so I got a, a, a lady that I knew in Prosser, Washington, and I phoned her. So I have no U.S. phone books, but I know where this man lives. Could you get a phone book? And we, of course, didn't have all the fancy internet stuff that you can just look it up today. But could you find this, this Michael O'Brien's phone number? I want to give him a call. And she phoned me back the next day, and she said, there's a few of them, but I think this is the one. And so I went down the, the process of elimination. Sure enough, the second uh, O'Brien that I called happened to be Mrs. O'Brien. And I asked her if Michael is in. No, he's out uh, doing talks, doing seminars. Well, could I, when will he be back? Well, he'll be back uh, in two days. Well, would you mind giving him my name and number? Could you get him to call me? Okay, sure, we'll do that. I left it. And again, to be honest with you, I didn't expect a phone call. Why wouldn't Michael O'Brien phone me in Canada? You know, like, I'm sure he gets hundreds of requests like that. But I satisfied my wife because she was forcing me to do this, you see. We need to find an answer. Don't accept the fact that there is no cure. Pretty stubborn German lady, you know. And they are pretty stubborn. But it's great. So anyways, I got a hold of Michael O'Brien, and I called him, and he phoned me back and said, what can I do for you? So I shared the story of what was going on with Kathy. Michael said, interesting. Okay, well, this is what I want you to do. You can't give her any food right now. Can't give her especially anything that has protein, which is about all foods, has a certain amount of protein. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a big pot. I want you to put it on the stove, and I want you to turn it on low heat with a bunch of water in it. And he named off, I don't remember, 12, 15 vegetables. And go out and get organic if you can, but if you can't, don't get all caught up and, you know, it's crazy about it. Just get the best you can and put it into this pot and let it just simmer. Take you probably 36 hours, 24 to 36 hours, for this foam or broth, or whatever you want to call it, that comes to the top of the pot. And when that happens, you can't give her that broth, that foam, or whatever its proper name for that stuff that kind of comes up from the vegetables, but you need her to drink the liquid. Okay? So we did that. At that point, Kathy was spending all day in front of a fireplace we had wrapped in three to four to five blankets, freezing. And I would come home after a couple hours at the office, and uh, she hadn't moved. And the house was over 100 degrees in there because she had the furnace wide open, the fireplace going wide open, and it was, like, unbearable for me, but she was still freezing. So we did this this little concoction, and... And uh, in Dr. Linda Page's book, you can actually find this broth. And uh, this is Dr. Bernard Jensen. I should have clicked this slide a little earlier. And this is when he was at age 86, down to 76 pounds, skin and bones, given two days to live. This was on a Friday afternoon. And Dr. Jensen had wrote 65 books on health. He traveled over 60 countries, sharing all the knowledge this man had. There was probably nobody out there that anybody would say was more famous in the natural health business than Dr. Bernard Jensen. He had his own organic ranch in California. He ate well. But you know what? Sometimes it just takes one little piece of the puzzle missing to get in trouble yourself. Now, if you ever went to Dr. Jensen's seminars and you had the opportunity to get him to come to your home and sit at your table, that was a real privilege. And so every place he went, everybody wanted him in their home. And so he did that, a lot of that. And what did he eat? Cooked foods. What did he eat at home? He had his own organic ranch. He ate organic foods. He had his own supplement line. He had his own concoctions of oils. I mean, he had many different things. And yet here's a man at that, in a crisis like this, 
And nobody knew about it because he didn't want anybody to know that he was sick. And so he went underground, thinking that with the knowledge that he's gained and the knowledge that he helped hundreds of people beat cancer, I'll just do it myself. And so he went underground, thinking that he could cure himself. But his cancer had progressed so fast that he got so sick that he couldn't even hardly administer anything to himself. And so he got into the state where his wife had rushed him to the hospital because he was that bad. And on a Friday afternoon, the doctor that was present said, we give him till Monday, and he won't be here, so get your papers in order. Now, Dr. Jensen and Michael O'Brien were friends. And so Marie, his wife, out of courtesy, phoned Michael and said, your friend Bernard is very sick. He's in the hospital given two days to live with prostate cancer. Michael said, at first, I was angry. Why did he wait until this point to give me a call? So he said, I have to go see him. I want to go, you know, see Dr. Jensen and wish him whatever, you know, and say my last words with him. And his family said, you can't go, Michael. That won't look good. If he's supposed to die this weekend and you're there this weekend, you're going to be the last person seeing him, and that's not going to be very good on your resume. I suggest you don't go. Michael considered that, but said he's my friend. I have to go. So he flew into Esadino, California, entered the hospital. They took him off morphine long enough for Dr. Jensen to cry out, I just want to die. The cancer had mastitized into his bones, swelled up, and so you couldn't even touch him with the lightest sheet, and he would scream. He said, when I went into the hospital, he was naked because his body couldn't even handle the covering of a light sheet. And so Michael says, I stood there beside his bed, and he already told me he wanted to die. He said, my first thoughts in my mind were, Man, he's 86 years of age. He's traveled the world. He's written 65 books. He's healed thousands of people. Maybe we should just let him go because he's done his job. Honor what he's asking and let him go. So he says, the first thing I had to find out is, did he really mean that? So what he did, he said, I spent about an hour beside his bed, and we talked about all our friends, Adele Davises, John Christopher's, all these famous people that they both knew, and they talked about what they did for mankind and what their specialties were in the medical industry and the holistic industry and, and on and on. And, and then after discussing all this, they also discussed on what caused them to pass away because they had all disappeared. So Michael looked down at Bernard Jensen and said, You know what, Doc? One of your holistic doctors need to start doing what you guys talk about and show the world that what you've been writing about, what you've been teaching for all these years actually works. And that was enough of a challenge because Michael says, if you go, all this work that you've done is going to go for naught. Who's going to ever want to buy one of your books or listen to anything you wrote about? You couldn't even save yourself. He said, that was the challenge I need to do. I need to scare the man. I need to scare the man into where he realized that I can't go. I can't go now under this condition. So he said he had changed his mind. He said, the reason why I'm telling you this stuff, Mel, is because when you start working with people, that's the first thing you have to understand. If the people come in and they have no purpose and no will to live, show them the door. You're wasting your time because you cannot save them. You can't save anybody. They have to save themselves. And if they have no will and no purpose, they can't heal because this is still in charge. He says some people have a will, but they don't have a purpose. So tell them to go get a purpose first because there is no will without it. And when they come back with a purpose, then you can start teaching them what they need to do to get well. And, of course, what you saw from Storm, living alive, living food, and the, the Lou Coronas and stuff of like that, they practice this every day, and that's what he's talking about, is be willing to go back to nature. 
Because nature has everything you and I need to be healthy. Everything. The only problem is nature can't put it in a bottle. Because you and I demand convenience. We're not willing to do what storm does, most of us. We're not willing to do what Lou Corona does. Because it's not easy. It's very difficult. But people that are in a crisis like this and what Kathy was, they had no choice. It's not a case of 99%, Michael says. It's a case of 100% right now. So what did he do with Dr. Jensen? Michael says, I just used some real common sense. And behind his card, his business card, he had ACS. So I thought, okay, what, what, is, what university is that? Or what kind of you know, career is that? Like, what does that mean, Michael? He says, applying common sense. That's what I do. So he says, I went, looked at Dr. Jensen. Now, here's Mr. Jensen who wrote the book, the number one selling book on bowel management and tissue cleansing. It's a top seller in New York. Here's a man that knew, had more colonics and probably done more colonics himself to people than anybody in the world. And Dr. Jensen hadn't had a bowel movement for 15 days. Why? Because they had him on heavy doses of morphine. And morphine just shuts every organ in your body down. And his bowel had stopped. Now, they were feeding Dr. Jensen three meals a day, trying to fatten him up because he's so skinny. And so three meals a day, 15 days, that's a lot of food. And that's hospital food. (laughs) So he was in misery. No wonder why he cried out, I just want to die. Dr. Jensen, I mean, Dr. Michael O'Brien said, you know what? The first thing I've got to do is get his bowels working, and it's not going to be good enough to put this man who is Mr. Colonic on a colonic board. Because he says, you know, I know that when you get that material all baked in there and hard and crusty, and it's not, it's been there for probably years building up, because that happens in us. He says, and put water in and try to loosen that, that's not going to work. I've got two days to save this man, right? Because he's supposed to die by Monday. So he says, I just used common sense. And I said, what can I put up there that's going to soak in, loosen it, and soften it, and maybe, maybe I can get some of that out of him? He says, an oil. He said, I have a man. Okay, that's my problem. He said, Marie, could you think we can go out and just get a bunch of whole gallons of olive oil? Let's just use some olive oil. I don't care if it's virgin or anything. I remember him telling me, you can use engine oil if you want, Mel. It works. It's not the what kind of oil. It is just the concept of using oil. So he put this oil in, a, in an enema bag and pumped up a quart and a half. First of all, before he did that, he put it in the fridge and made it almost into molasses because he wanted it really thick and really cold. Why? Because he wanted to lock that door sphincter up so when you shove that cold oil up there, the thing would go, <laughs> and lock right up and hold it in there for a while. He said, I want that to soak in as long as we possibly can, so I made it cold, so it took a long time to warm up. So he did that, and he says after one day, nothing came out but the oil when it warmed up, a little bit of coloring, nothing happened. So I said to Marie, let's do it another day. So the next day they did the same thing, another quart and a half of olive oil and injected it up his rectum. Nothing happened. The next day they talked with Marie and he says, well, Marie, let's do it one more time. If we don't get any results, I think we might have to just accept the fact that we have to let him go. The third day, quart and a half of ice-cold olive oil. He said it was several hours later, and Dr. Jensen called Marie and said, I need to be helped to the bathroom. The story is is that he sat there, and Marie apparently stood beside and just flushed and flushed and flushed. She said it just kept coming out of him, the ugliest stuff you've ever seen black and tarry and twisted and like knots and so on. But you know what? Michael was singing hallelujah because he knew that was the answer to Dr. Jensen getting well. So the next thing they did is he introduced to 
Dr. Jensen, digestive enzymes. Michael knew there's only two things in the body that are called workers. They don't need you to do anything. This is why we rot. This is why we decay when we die, because of enzymes and probiotics and bacteria. They keep working even when you're not here. So when you put them into the human body, they are the only two things that do any work. Everything else you put into your body is building materials. Yes, we need building materials. We need those amino acids and the vitamins and minerals and starches and fats and the whole ball of wax. But what we need is workers. And I remember him telling me, Mal, it's like building a house. He said, if you go buy a lot here in Red Deer and you... Uh, drive by there, you get all the building materials brought, you can get the very best of the best. Buy the best windows, the best two-by-fours, the best nails, the best everything you can buy. And put it on that job site, and after work, drive by your, your lot and see if that house gets built. He says, do you think it would? I said, well, no. Well, what do you, why not? You have all the workers you need. You've got everything to build that house. Well, we don't have any contractors, Michael. Right. You don't have any workers. So in the human body, too many of us, we go to all these different herbal companies and we look at building materials and we're all consuming tons of supplementation and building materials. Not that they're bad. There's a lot of benefits for a lot of them. But there's very little benefit if you cannot get it through the porous lining of your small intestine into your blood. And you can't do that without digestion You've got to break it down. And unfortunately, when we cook our food past 110 degrees, you kill every single enzyme in food. And your body cannot break down food, and so we're supposed to put that into our bodies and expect our bodies to actually get the value from it. So we need enzymes. So he says, Marie, I want you to take these enzymes. We don't have it in powder, but we don't have it in capsules. I want you to pull these capsules apart, and he showed them how easy it is to to separate them and the powder and put it in a teaspoon and when you eat the teaspoon food, put a little bit of liquid in there and give it to him. Can you do that from the time you get up and the time you go to bed? Would you be willing to do that for Bernard? Of course I would. She sat behind his bed and did that. Next thing I want you to do in between every hour or two, I want you to take some product called proteolytic probiotics. Now I'm telling you, these are the exactly same products that were used on Dr. Jensen. These aren't different. These are the same products. And they take these products and said, I want you then to give him to do the same thing and do that for a little bit and then go back to the enzymes and do the probiotics, go back to the enzymes and so on. And I'll call you tonight to see how, you, how well you did. When he called around 11 o'clock and said, how did you do? Well, it was hard. You know, it's not easy to do these, pull all these things apart. I'm pretty, you know, really tired of doing that already. Well, how many did you get into him? Well, she said, well, I got 500 enzymes into him. This bottle is 500. So she got a whole bottle of these into him. And how many bacteria did you get into him? Well, I, got, I, I couldn't get to 240 that's in the bottle, but I got 200. Wow. Now, Michael says, you know what? Sometimes you teach us stuff, and you don't even realize that how hard that really is until you try to do it yourself. He said, so I tried to do that. That's hard to take that much. So he said, great, can you do that again tomorrow? Sure. After the second day, he got a phone call from Marie and says, Michael, this is ridiculous. Can't you just ship me this stuff in powder before you guys put it in the capsules? Well, that's a good point, Marie. I guess we could, couldn't we? So exactly that's what he did, and she kept giving him enzymes. And I don't know all the days and all the facts of what happened, but what I can tell you, that in eight weeks and one day, Dr. Jensen was cancer-free. They went hiking, and they, I could tell you every week what happened, because I remember every week what happened to Dr. Jensen by the time. And so they went hiking. Michael said, I'm ashamed to tell you, but he out-hiked me. I came back puffing, and Dr. Jensen wasn't breathing heavy. This man had just recovered cancer. He's already in that kind of condition. The power of enzymes and probiotics. So I read that story, 
I talked to Michael about that, and he says, we're going to talk about enzymes and probiotics. Because Kathy was taking that, that liquid, that broth, and it took, and again, I don't remember the weeks or months, I never really tracked any of this, but I think it was several weeks, if not maybe three weeks. And you know what? I'd come home, and Kathy was no longer in front of that fireplace. She was actually uh, kind of sitting. She still had no energy, wasn't eating anything, just drinking. And um, I said to Michael when he phoned, he phoned constantly and said, how's she doing? You know, keep me updated on what's happening. And I sort of told him every day what's going on. He says, I think she's ready for some enzymes and probiotics. So I'll tell you what I want you to do. I'm going to send you some of these. And I want you to give Kathy 100, not 500, 100 per day. I want you to give her anywhere from 75 to 100 of this probiotic product. That's it. I don't want anything else, just those two things. And we'll see how things go. Again, I don't have time to tell you what all happened and stuff like that, but what I can tell you, Kathy got better and better and better. This is Michael O'Brien. I get so caught up in my talk, I even forget to move the slides. This is the broth, the essence broth. Now, Dr. Linda Page has a broth called the potassium essence broth. Very similar. I don't think it's exactly what Michael gave Kathy, but it's the same, basically the same thing. And I thought I'd share that with you in case some of you want to know the kind of vegetables and stuff that he used and, and what really happened there. So we introduced enzymes to Kathy and introduced probiotics, these two products. He said, Mel, I want you to get this book because I wanted to know more about enzymes and why we were taking 100 because I thought this guy was off his rocker. You don't take 100 of anything. That's ridiculous. And I said to Kathy, and I still remember, you know, saying to her, I said, Kathy, this is stupid. A hundred enzymes and, and 75 of this bacteria, which I had no idea what enzymes and bacteria were. So, of course, I was questioning him. Because I was starting to think, this guy just was taking my money. That's all he wants. So he told me to get this book called Enzyme Nutrition, written by Dr. Edward Howell. And I read in here that enzymes can increase your microphage, which is your immune defenses, by 700%. It can increase your killer cells, which is your white blood cells, um, and uh, kills viruses, bad bacteria, by 1,300%. Now, these are not small numbers. We're not talking like small percentages here. And I knew enough about health from David Elliott that I knew the immune system was very, very important. And I thought, wow. If enzymes can do that, I mean, that's pretty important. I'm okay. I'm game for that. Let's get at it. And so you know what? don't have time to tell you all about enzymes. Cam touched on it. We don't have time today. You know, but I'd love you the guys to call us and come into the office and let us spend an hour or two telling you about enzymes and probiotics. But I don't think there's anything better than visual I know myself, I'm a visual person. And I know Cam when he was a computer techie and all this geek stuff about computers. And, you know, I, he'd rattle off this stuff and say, Cam, and slow down. <laughs> Show me. Don't just say, press this button, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Hold on. Like, just show me, please. I'm visual. And I think most people are visual. So I'm going to show you what enzymes do. And it's not the purpose of this to show you the powerful of the enzymes. It's basically what enzymes basically do to every single piece of food you eat. And that's why God or nature put enzymes in everything that you were intended to eat. And so, you know, you look at this oatmeal, and it's not in the state that we get it, right? We cooked it. We cooked it past 110 degrees to make this into oatmeal. Now, if you eat this like this, it's not very tasty, is it? 
In fact, it's kind of blah, gluey and sticky. And So what do we do? We smother it with milk and sugar and agave nectar and blah, 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 everything we can to make that eatable. But you know, I remember my mom saying, Mal, eat your oatmeal. It'll stick to you. Mom's always right. You know, that sticks to you. So what I'm going to do is put back the only thing in. I never took out the, the amino acids. I never took out the vitamins and the, and the minerals or whatever's in oatmeal. We're not here to talk about what's in oatmeal today, but what I do want to talk about is show you how that if I just put back in what you and I are taking out every time we cook our food, and if you do not break this down, you can't get this through the porous lining of your small intestine. From your mouth to your rectum is not in your body. It's a passage through the center of your body. And just because you eat something and it's in your mouth, it's in your esophagus, it gets into your stomach and gets in your small intestine, you have not fed yourself. You haven't fed yourself until you liquefy it. That's why your digestive system works. It's a fermentation tank, and it starts churning, and it breaks it down, and the enzymes attack it the minute it, it enters into that environment of moisture. So all I'm going to do is take one enzyme. This happened to be Avena's, the best. And I'm going to put this in this oatmeal. Just pull the capsule. Did a sin. I can't imagine doing 500 of these. Like Dr. Jensen, I mean Mrs. Marie Jensen did. And we're supposed to chew our food. How many times are we supposed to chew our food? 30? 22? Oh, nice number. 100. Oh, big numbers. And I don't know which one of those answers are right. But I will tell you that if you do most of your Google research, you'll find out that probably around 30 times a mouthful is the most common answer to that question. Whether that's accurate or not, I have no idea. Now, I don't think any of you want me to put this in my mouth and chew it and for 50 or 100 uh, chews and then spit it black in this and show you what happened, right? So what I'm doing is I'm pretending I have teeth here and I'm chewing this. You've got to remember, this is cold oatmeal. Normally, we don't eat oatmeal cold. We like it warm, at least, right? So the process that you're seeing happening in front of your eyes here right now is would happen 10 times faster if this was a warm oatmeal. This was made about four hours ago. But you know what? The minute I put these enzymes in, the moisture activated them. I can't stop this from working. I can't stop this enzyme from com- completing its job. The same thing that you put in your body, they work and they start to work and you cannot stop them from doing something for you. And so there's nothing that you can do to prevent the benefit of an enzyme. And so what's happening here that this is breaking down. It's digesting. It's like it being in my stomach. Okay? But you know what? I know you're a pretty skeptical group, you know, and a lot of people come up and say, after I've done that, and they say, well, what about the other one? I mean, why didn't you, uh, you didn't stir that. So maybe it's a stirring that broke it down, not the enzyme. So here it is. You know, I'm going to stir this one too, because I don't want you to get any crazy ideas. And so here we are. Meanwhile, that's, that's working still. I can't stop it. It's continue to do its job, and you know, I don't care. I've done this probably 500 times, and I'll tell you right now, this just never changes. No wonder why mom says it sticks to you. This process that I'm showing you with oatmeal, no one uses over oatmeal, use oatmeal because it acts fast, and it's cheap. But go back to this one. And this one pretty well, again, why we said it sits in your stomach for one hour waiting for the hydrochloric acid to come into the lower part of the stomach, waiting for the digestive process to happen in the upper part of the stomach. And we don't have to wait any longer. What that's been, maybe 60 seconds, not even that. What we have here is digestion. Now, I don't care if it's your meat that you like to eat. 
or those nice organic carrots or the romaine lettuce. This process that you just saw is supposed to happen every time you eat with every piece of food that you consume. Visual shows you how are you going to get this through the porous lining of your small intestine when it's come not even broken down amino acid complexes. These are too large to get through your gut into your blood. So this ends up in your colon because you can't use it. And in your colon, you have negative bacteria, billions of them, E. coli, pseudomonas, just a whole raft of rascals in there. And they love this undigested food, so they attach themselves to it, becomes a food of choice, and they start living on it. And the byproduct of that is 36 known toxins, toxins that you and I don't drink, eat, or breathe. Yet they're far more deadly, and I believe that it's those toxins that you and I are generating, not the ones we're eating, drinking, and breathing, are the cause of all this cancer and all this lupus and all these other problems. Because I go back to, again, looking at that study that says bowel toxemia is the cause of almost all disease. But what caused that? You know, and I remember I traveled with Michael all over Western Canada doing lectures with him. And, you know, one time we were sitting in the airport and I said, you know, Michael, you keep saying that there's really only one disease, and that's biotoxemia. But I'm going to suggest to you that that's not the end of the story because you're telling them that's the problem. But what is the real problem? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, isn't it a deficiency that caused bowel toxemia? He said, you're right. You know, from that day on, every lecture I heard that man say, he never said there was only one disease, bowel toxemia. He says there was really one disease called bowel toxemia caused by a deficiency. And that deficiency is enzymes. Remember, nature has all the answers. Nature put it into every piece of food you and I are supposed to eat. If you're going to continue to cook your food, and that's your choice, and my philosophy is about 80% raw and about 20% cooked, and I, Michael kind of agreed that's probably adequate for somebody who's living a fairly life house. But if you get sick, it's long longer 80 and 20. It's now 100%. So when people come into our office almost on a daily basis with cancer and whatnot, Cam and I teach them that you have to commit for the next 120 days to 100% fresh and raw food. I don't care what you eat, but it has to be fresh and raw. Now, not forever, 120 days. Why 120 days? Well, it takes 120 days to change your brain pattern. And once you change your brain pattern, you change every pattern in the human body. And you take your body out of survival into healing. So it takes that long sometimes. Everybody's different, but that's his protocol. We follow that protocol. We teach that protocol. And some people are taking 100 and 200 enzymes a day. I've had people in my, across my desk that's given two weeks to live. I've had children in my office as old as uh, five and six with cancer. I always thought cancer was an old person's disease. I didn't think that babies get cancer, but today they do because we're becoming more and more toxic. And what you heard this weekend is GMO and all the other things that's happening to our world today. Our food supply is no longer what it used to be. And that's why today people are dying and getting sicker younger and younger and younger, all because of a deficiency of the workers, enzymes and probiotics, friendly bacteria. That's why these two products 
and the herb cocktail are the core of everything we talk about. And the reason why we're getting the results we're getting, which has been outstanding. Here's the problem. You take this and you eat this. Because of you being deficient in amylase, which is one of those nine enzymes required for digestion, carbohydrates in this oatmeal will not digest. Instead, they end in your colon, they ferment. The fermentation promotes allergies, sinus congestion, skin rashes and eruptions, gas, bloating, weight gain, reactions to insect bites and stings, inflammation, joint problems, arthritis, respiratory disorders, all because you're deficient in the enzyme that's required to break down carbohydrates in your food. You can't break them down without those enzymes amylase. If you're deficient in lipase, you can't digest fats. You must have digestive enzyme called lipase to break down fats. So they end up in your colon and they promote high cholesterol, high blood pressure, cellulite, psoriasis, chronic immune, medicated skin disease, chronic inflammation, cardiovascular disease and plaque in the arteries and fatty tumors. Now, these are symptoms of an enzyme deficiency. They're not diseases. When you don't have protease in your food because you cooked it and killed them, you have protein that enters your colon and it putrefies in that environment of negative bacteria. That process promotes acne, loss of muscle tone, depression, anxiety, insomnia, Bacterial, viral, yeast, fungal infections, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, lupus, PMS, BMS, IBS, MS, muscular dystrophy, Crohn's and endometriosis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and the big C, cancer, is a side effect of a deficiency of protease. And when these undigested proteins and carbohydrates and fats get into that environment of billions of negative bacteria. The accumulation of these undigested proteins, carbohydrates, and fats that remain in the intestinal tract and the bloodstream cause a buildup of oxidative and toxic waste called intestinal toxemia, attracting parasites, viruses, bacteria, yeast, mold, and fungus, This is the process and the beginning of almost all diseases that occur in a human body. But what was the cause? Deficiency of an enzyme, so you couldn't digest it, and the lack of probiotics. Instead of having 80% good bacteria and 20% bad, you and I are probably in the reversal. 80% bad and only 20% good. We must put good probiotics into our body because without that, those bacteria are having a great time and they're multiplying and they're growing and it's only a matter of time. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that you and I are going to have some symptoms from that. We just explained some of that. It's that simple. That's why I don't have to be a doctor. I don't have to have any degrees or anything like that because health is that simple. And I remember when Michael would come up and have four or five hundred people in these kind of rooms. And I still remember, I see it clear as day, he would look down on the crowd and he says, I know what you're thinking. It can't be that simple. He says, but I'm telling you it is. And that's why Mel, and that's why Cam, and that's why Jennifer, and that's why everybody in our office can help people. Not because we have all kinds of degrees and stuff like that. We're giving you the very simplistic answers to health. Just by teaching you the digestive process and what causes the problems. 
And by getting people eating raw and supplementation, sometimes heavy, has to be if they're in a crisis, or it can be smaller, and as long as they change their diet, they can get well even on small quantities. It all depends on the degree. But 99% of the people give us the last chance. It's when the doctor's already sent them home, just like me and Kathy. We never went to an alternative medicine. We never went learning about any of this stuff until the doctor said, there is no cure for lupus. Can you win? Absolutely. Eight months. It wasn't eight weeks in one day. It was eight months. In eight months, Kathy was lupus-free. Have that happen in front of your eyes for eight months and see if that doesn't change your life. Cam watched it. Melissa watched it. I watched it. That develops a different passion, a passion that you never had before, a passion to help people. So that's all we've done for the last 22 years is go out and share this story and so we've done that. And you know, I'm lucky. I get the calls. I hear every day what's gone on with people. And it keeps me going. Because there's many days that I wonder, why am I doing this? Why don't we have 2,000 people in here today? And you start wondering, like, why am I given so much effort with so little results? And we have to realize that we live in a very sick world. And people don't even have the ability anymore to even be interested in having health. It's called dumbing down of America. And so we took that information and we went out and started sharing it with you people. You're here today because you heard some of this and you applied some of the principles, obviously. And there's been hundreds of results. We can't show you all of them. I can't go to meetings and tell everybody people's testimonials. First of all, we're not allowed to. So secondly, the only thing we really can do is have them tell you. So I said to Cam, people are not getting it. We have, to, we have to take them to the people and show them. Have people tell you what's happened to their lives. Because standing up in here, yeah, right, that's another story. Just like I thought. If I want to read it and somebody told me, Dr. Bonanchin's story, I would have kind of like, yeah, right. <laughs> but when you read it yourself, and in the last 20 years, seeing it with these eyeballs and hearing about it every single week, you get very passionate about what you're doing.